Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Live Through Jesus podcast with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, joining ourselves to God and to other believers, and also how jealousy can be good. Numbers 25, all of the scripture will be read from the ESV version. Quickly before we get started, if you're new to Live Through Jesus, make sure you go to livethroughjesus.com and sign up to receive your free five-week Bible study over Abraham. There you'll also find blog posts that coincide with the teachings on this podcast and social media links, which is another way to keep in touch throughout the week. Okay, let's get started. Have you ever participated in a three-legged race? Even if you weren't the participant, you've probably watched one or you understand the concept of it. There's two people and they're bound together by their inside legs and then they are trying to move in unison towards the finish line, competing against other couples doing the same thing. And so the point of it is that they both have to move at exactly the same time, in exactly the same direction. If one begins to go further to the right or further to the left, then it pulls the other participant because they're tied together. And so then the other one is having to pull them and they're losing momentum. If one of them is running faster than the other, then, you know, they're moving their independent leg instead of the other person that's moving the leg that's tied together. And so they have to move at the exact same pace and the exact uh, same direction. And if both of those things aren't happening, then they're going to have a difficult time getting to the finish line before someone else. So this is the same way in our, in our lives when we are bound to another person, whether it be in business or in marriage or sometime when we're having to make decisions, maybe just in a group where you have to make decisions with one another. If everybody isn't moving in the same direction at the same pace with the same goal in unity, then you're going to have problems, right? And so if one person is moving forward a little faster than the other person, then the other person is pulling them back. If they begin to go in a little bit different direction, then there's this push and pull and everybody is getting slowed down in this process. In our spiritual lives, this is really important. It's really important for the people that we are bound to, the people that we are joined to, for us to be moving at the same pace in unison, not pulling the other person in one direction or the other. And so God talks a lot about being of one mind, of one accord, and us all being joined together as one body in Christ. And so that's some of what we're going to be talking about today in this lesson. Last week, we talked about how the Israelites had moved into the edge of the land of Moab and the king was really concerned about this. And he called on a diviner to come and curse the land of Israel so that they could defeat them. Well, God foiled that plan and he wouldn't allow Balaam to curse the people and instead Balaam blessed Israel. And so this week, 
we're going to see the women take their turn. So the men were trying to defeat them in war. Now the women are going to try to weaken them with the abilities that they have. So we're going to go ahead and read the first three verses of Numbers 25. It says, While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people of the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Remember when we talked about going to war with other nations, that was God's biggest concern is that if they joined the nations in any way, if they made any sort of treaties or if their people married their women, then those people would persuade the Israelites to worship their gods. And that was the biggest reason that they didn't need to be joined with the people at all. Well, since the Moabite men couldn't defeat the people in war, the women joined themselves to the men and uh, you know, developed relationships with these men and got them to begin to worship their gods and eat the sacrifices that were worshiped to their gods. And so by worshiping, they're bowing down to these gods, elevating them, showing them honor and giving them glory that they don't deserve, right? Because only God deserves those things. And so that was the first mistake. But by eating the food of the sacrificed animals to their gods, they were also joining themselves in a special way to their gods. Now, we don't quite understand this now because we don't do things quite the same. Our Lord's Supper would be the closest thing to this. But like the Israelites, when they would sacrifice to God, they would burn completely burn a portion of the animal and because that part belongs solely to God. And since God was not flesh and bones and unable to eat that sacrifice, they would burn it completely up and God would smell that sacrifice. And he would say, oh, that's a wonderful smell. Thank you for the food that you cooked for me, right? And then they would take another portion of it and the high priest would hold it up and he would wave it in front of the Lord and he would say, look, God, this piece also belongs to you. But as the high priest, I'm going to eat it on your behalf. And then when they would share their meal, he would eat the sacrifice on God's behalf. And then the offering priest, he would get another portion that he would eat for the work that he had done. And then the person that offered it would also eat it. And so God and the priests and the people are all sharing a meal. And this would reconcile them to God. And this was their fellowship meal. This joined them together. Fellowship joins you with others. And so by them doing this, they were joining themselves together to that God, joining in fellowship with those people and their gods through their sacrifices and then elevating them and worshiping them. So obviously it says at the end of this, God's anger is kindled. He's upset. So let's go ahead and keep on reading. We're going to read uh, Numbers 25, 4 through 6. And it says, The Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that his fierce anger may turn away from Israel. Hang them means kill them and hang them. 
Moses said to the judges of Israel, each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal Peor. And remember, we've talked about this before. The death penalty was imposed on those who committed adultery against the Lord. And if you notice in that first part, it says the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. And so they were betraying God by joining themselves to other gods. And so the penalty for that was death. So Moses told the heads of each of the tribes, find out which men have been doing this and kill them and hang them for everyone to see as an example that this is what we do not do. And then after all of this is done, behold, one of the men of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel. And while they were weeping in the entrance of the tent of meeting. So later we find out that the man's name was Zimri and he was a Simeonite. He was from the tribe of Simeon. And he is the one who brought this Midianite woman in front of everybody after they had all been killed for having relationships with the Moabite women. And so you have to wonder what in the world is he thinking? Does he just think, I don't care what God says? Or maybe he thought that a Midianite woman wasn't the same as a Moabite woman. Maybe Zimri didn't worship any other gods. Maybe he just had the woman and he thought, as long as I'm not worshiping her God, then it's not a problem. Maybe that was the case. No matter what his reason was, it was wrong. So let's go ahead and keep reading. This is Numbers 25, 7 to 13. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of the priest Aaron, saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nonetheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. Then the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them so that I didn't consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and his descendants forever after him the covenant of a perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. And then I just want to reiterate this. This was in Psalm 106, 28 through 31. It talks about this again, so I'm going to read that. Then we'll talk about these passages. It says, Then they yoked themselves to Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices offered to the dead. They provoked the Lord to anger with their deeds, and a plague broke out among them. Then Phinehas stood up and intervened, and the plague was stayed. That was counted to him as righteousness from generation to generation forever. So Zimri was showing complete disregard for God's commands. But he was bold enough to do it in front of Moses and all of the priests. And Phinehas was the son of Eleazar, who was the high priest at the time. Aaron has already passed away. Aaron was the first high priest. His son Eleazar took command after him. And Phinehas would be in line after his father Eleazar. And so Phinehas was so angry that Zimri would betray God in this way that he immediately just got up 
and chased after him and Cosby, who was the woman that he was with, and he killed both of them. And when he did this, it stopped the plague that God had started because of the people's infidelity, because of their betrayal towards him. And then after that, God told Moses, he said, hey, let Phineas know that I am going to give him a promise of peace and his family will be a perpetual priesthood. He's basically, he's proven himself as the perfect man to represent me. And that's what the priests were. They were representatives of God to the people. They spoke for God to the people. And then they also represented the people to God. So they were mediators there. They would take the people's sacrifices to God. And so he said, you're the perfect person to do that because you're passionate about me. You care about me and you care about the betrayal of me as much as I do. And so you've proven yourself to me. And so you will definitely become the priest of these nations. And I'm going to hand that to the rest of your family because you, you know, presumably are going to raise your children to be this passionate and so on and so on. And so this will be the job of your family forever, which God had already declared, but he's confirming y'all are living up to this. So let's just talk about this word jealous a little bit because it has a horrible connotation in our language. We think of being jealous as wrong. We, we say things like, you know, oh, he's just so jealous. You know, he's always like, wants to know what I'm doing and where I'm going. And we kind of equate it with like controlling, like he wants to control my every move and he won't let another man look at me and all of these things. And we think that these things are bad, but jealousy can't be wrong if God says that he is jealous and that he's glad when we're jealous on his behalf. And so I think that we have two words confused. I think that we think that being jealous is wrong because we associate it with covetousness. Wanting something that someone else has is wrong. That's coveting. But wanting what belongs to us isn't wrong. It's not wrong for me to want the things that rightfully belong to me and for you not to take them from me. I can be jealous of you taking things from me. I just can't be jealous the way we would say it is like, oh, I'm so jealous of, you know, her body or I'm so jealous of that person's job. I'm so jealous of the things that they have, of the way that they look, of the honor that they receive. That's not jealousy. That's covetousness. That is wanting something that belongs to someone else and not be satisfied with the things that we have. That's not the kind of jealousy God is talking about. That is wrong. Being uh, coveting is actually one of the Ten Commandments. It says not to covet in the Ten Commandments. So that is wrong. But being jealous in the sense that God says is he's saying, I want the things that belong to me and I want you to leave them alone. And so the things that belong to God are the Israelites. They belong to him and he belongs to them. And so they have betrayed him by being with other women who then drew them away to other gods. And so they have committed adultery. That's why he calls it that. Why he says they're being unfaithful to me or whoring after their gods, things like that, because they are betraying him. Worship belongs only to God. 
And so by worshiping someone else, another God, they are giving to another God what belongs only to God. So he's jealous for the right reasons. And in turn, it's okay for us to be jealous in some regards. We don't want to do it in an unhealthy way where we're constantly a burden to us or to our loved ones where we're like, oh, you can't, you know, don't even look over there. Don't even look over there. You know, we're constantly watching them to see if maybe they might be looking at a person in a way that, you know, that's unhealthy, but it's just because it's, it's damaging to us. It doesn't help us. But for me to want things that only belong to me as a wife, that's not wrong. That's okay. I am supposed to have certain things because only they belong to me. That's what the Lord says. He says that my husband's body belongs to me and my body belongs to my husband. It doesn't belong to anyone else. And if he wants to share it with somebody else, I can be jealous about that, right? That's okay. I'm not supposed to be okay with that. And then even in regard to other things, I think there are things that I'm supposed to get to share with my husband that other people shouldn't get to share with him. Like if he called another woman every day on his way home from work and told her how his day went, if it's not his mama, (laughs) I'm going to be upset because I think that that should be reserved for me. We are supposed to share our lives together. Our lives are supposed to be joined together. And he is not supposed to be sharing his life with another woman. Can he share certain things that go on now and then? Of course, you know, that's just conversation. But I'm talking about sharing his life. That's not okay. That should belong to me. And so there are certain things that do belong specifically to a wife or to a husband, and it's okay to be jealous about. And then obviously there's a line where it crosses over into unhealthy, controlling, something that is damaging to you and damaging to them. But in general, I think we confuse these things and we think, oh, we just shouldn't be jealous. No, it's okay to be jealous if we're desiring something that belongs to us in the first place, that should only belong to us and no one else. And that's what God is saying. And he says, because Phineas cared about that, because it angered him that someone would betray me in that way, that someone would be unfaithful to me, and he cared enough to do something about it, that shows that he loves me. And he is faithful to me. He is not going to betray me, right? And we want that in our own relationships. If we have a friend and they see that our husband or wife is cheating on us, we want them to say something. We want them to, at the very least, confront them, right? And if not, then do they care very much about us? You know, if they're just going to sit there and let that happen and say nothing, do nothing, is that really a good friend? And so God is saying, because Phineas cared enough about me to do something about me, then he was jealous for me. And he had such a passion for God that he was rewarded for that. And so that's something that we need to think about for our own selves. Do we have a passion for God that we care if people are abusing his name, if people are making light of his commands? If people are doing something that would damage his reputation or that would hurt him in any way. And so 
I'm not talking about walking around telling everybody how they're acting wrong and not doing everything right according to God's ways. We know that we do wrong things too, so we don't want to walk around and nitpick everything that everybody does. But when you see somebody doing something that is just completely against God and you say nothing, then how much do you care about God? How much do you care about his name, right? And so that is what he was praising Phineas for and something that we can take note of. So I just wanted to talk about that before we moved on because that word jealousy might upset some people because in our language, it does have a bad connotation. But I just wanted to explain what that really meant and how it was a good thing in that sense. And it can be a good thing in in many senses if we're looking at it in the right way. Now, I'm going to read the last four verses of chapter 25 that we're going to go over today. And then we're going to talk about kind of the theme of this lesson. So this is Numbers 25, 14 to 18. And it says, The name of the slain man of Israel who was killed with the Midianite woman was Zimri, the son of Salu, chief of the father's house belonging to the Simeonites. So I told you this earlier because I already knew their names. So they're telling who these people actually are at this point. Verse 15, the name of the Midianite woman who was killed was Cosby, the daughter of Zer, who was the tribal leader, head of her father's household in Midian. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, harass the Midianites and strike them down, for they have harassed you with their wiles, with which they beguiled you in the matter of Peor. And in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of the chief of Midian, their sister who was killed in the day of the plague on account of Peor. Okay, so remember the Moabites and the Midianites had tried to weaken the people with the curse from Balaam so that they could kill them. That didn't work. So now they're trying to weaken them in another way by using their women to pull the people away from what gave them strength in the first place. That would make them weak, right? And so they're pulling them away from God. God is their strength. And so that's what they've been using. That is the source of their power. And if they can pull them away from that, then they don't need a curse. They're winning the war that way, right? So why do they keep using this word yoke? This isn't something that we use anymore, really. And I've been using it by saying joined because that is a more understandable word for us. But what a yoke was is it's this long bar and it would go across the shoulders of an like two ox that would would be generally at that time and the head would go through these two holes and it would join the ox and then the thing that would attach from their shoulders back would carry some sort of load and then they would usually have a leader and that person would be guiding them in the same direction so that one wouldn't go in a different direction and pull the other one away, right? Because just like we talked about in the three-legged race scenario, if one begins to go this way, then it's going to pull the other and vice versa. And so if we yoke ourselves to someone or something, then we're attached to it, right? And then we can carry or hold on to or take care of a heavier load than we could on our own. That's one of the purposes of being yoked to another person. But we have to have the same person guiding us. So here's the question for you today. Who or what are you yoked to, joined to, attached to? Who guides you? 
Are you yoked to his people? Is God the one guiding you? Are you being directed by him? Or have you yoked yourself to something that's pulling you away from him? Are you carrying the weight of Christianity with other believers? Moving in unison with them. Caring about and taking care of the things of God. Holding on to the things that matter to him along with other people. Or have you let the world give you things that are making you weak? Are you joined to somebody that's constantly pulling you away and then you're constantly having to pull yourself back to God over and over this? Oh, this takes me away from him, but then I have to pull myself back. If you're doing that, then you're being weakened. But if you join yourself to other believers and they're being guided by God, and you're being guided by God, and y'all are going together, then your load is lighter, and you're moving in unison. Nothing is pulling you away from God, so you're getting closer and closer to Him and moving closer in the direction that He has for you because of this other person that you're yoked to. Moving in unison with other people who are being directed by God is exactly how we accomplish great things for him. That is what he intended it to be. That's why he calls us the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. And so we are supposed to be yoked to those people, moving in the same direction, being guided by the same person. That's how we accomplish great things. That's how the load doesn't feel so heavy for us. And so that's why it's so important that we don't allow things to pull us away from God like the Israelites did. They allowed themselves to be weakened. God prevented Balaam from cursing them and them being weakened in that way. But they were allowing themselves to be weakened by disobeying the command of the Lord and joining themselves to these women, thereby joining themselves to their God. And so everything, it was just pulling them away and pulling them away until he could join them to something that was going to be completely against God. And so we have to be careful of that. We have to make sure that we join ourselves with other people that believe in him. That doesn't mean that we can't be around non-believers. It doesn't mean we don't talk to them. It doesn't mean that we don't do things with them, but we don't join ourselves to them. We don't make contracts with them. We don't marry them. We don't go into business with them generally because they're not going to think the same as we do. They're not going to be headed in the same direction because God is the one guiding us and they may be guided by their own desires or by money or honor or whatever. And it's not to say that we can't be tempted in those ways also, but if we let God be our God, then we are at least heading in the right direction. And if we have another that is also being guided by God and we begin to be let ourselves be guided by our own fleshly desires or by money or by um, honor or prestige or something like that, then our partner, our business partner, our spouse, whoever that is that we've joined ourselves with, they can kind of pull us back. And so, you know, yeah, every now and then, even if you're yoked, even if you're joined, and even if you're both being guided by God, one of you can kind of try to go a little bit the other direction. But if you're really joined to God, God's going to pull you back. He's going to pull those reins and he's going to get you back where you're supposed to be. And if you're really joined to this other believer, then they're going to pull you back. 
They're going to help you get back to where you need to be. And so that's the purpose of other people here on this earth. God wants us to have each other to pull us close to him and, and remind us where we need to be. So we're just going to end this lesson with reading several verses. I want you to just take note of these things. If one of them stands out to you, matters to you, pertains to you more, then just take note of that. Maybe memorize it or repeat it to yourself throughout the week or or whatever the case may be. So this is going to be eight passages that I'm going to read. It's a lot, but I haven't read to you much at all this lesson. And so I want you to have biblical verses that talk about joining and being guided by God and all of those things so that this isn't just me talking. So the first one is found in Psalm 32, 8 and 9. And it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. This is God. He will instruct you, teach you in the way that you will go. He will counsel you because he's watching you. He sees where you're going and what you're doing. And he is going to guide you and teach you and counsel you. And then he says, but don't be like the horse or the mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle or he won't stay near. So he says, don't make me have to pull back the reins. You know, I wish I didn't even have to have a bit and bridle in your mouth. I wish I didn't have to pull you and, and, and turn you in that way, in a forceful way, because I would hope that I could just tell you what to do and you would listen. I would instruct you and teach you and counsel you and you would listen. That's how I want to do it. But I will pull back the reins if I have to. So don't be like that horse or that mule that I have to, to pull you to keep you where you're supposed to go. And then Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. So this is talking about joining with other believers. If you join together in the name of God, then you're fellowshipping with one another and God says, I'm with you. That's what the Israelites were doing when they shared the sacrifices. God says he wants us to do that too. Join with other believers and then he will come and join you also. Romans fifteen five to 6. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God wants us to be in harmony with each other so that together we can glorify God. Not only can our burdens be multiplied and we carry them better, but we can multiply our glory and our worship and our reach to others by joining with other people. 1 Corinthians 1.10 I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Same judgment means same decisions. So I want you to have the same mind and make the same decision. And the only way that you can do that is by having the same mind and making the same decisions that God would make. And so if God is guiding both of you, then you should be deciding the same things and having the same types of thoughts, and you should agree, and there shouldn't be any division. 
So whenever there is division in a marriage, in any kind of partnership, in any business or any church, then we should pray and ask God, give us your mind, Lord. Give us your thoughts. Give us your decisions so that we can all be on the same page. If I think what God thinks and my husband thinks what God thinks, then we will agree, right? And so I don't have to pray, God, help my husband. That's, you know, I could have said, help me uh, agree with him, but that's never the way that we pray, right? And so help him to see that I am, I know what I'm talking about and him change his mind. That's our, our general, what we want to do. And God says, no, ask me to help you and your husband both agree with me. Because if you both agree with me, you will both agree with each other. And then you will live in harmony together. You will uh, agree with one another. You will not have division. And then you will be able to move forward in that decision, in that thought process together. So that's what he wants from us. Second Corinthians six fourteen to 18. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So speaking of the oxen, if they're yoked together, you wouldn't yoke a adult male ox with a young child that can barely walk, that's this short, and this one's this tall, and this one's this strong, and this one's this scrawny, because the strong big one would overpower the little one, and the little one would have no, first of all, way to keep up, right, because his legs can't go as fast as the other ones, as far as the other ones. And also, he wouldn't be as strong. And so he would just be being drug along. He wouldn't be able to carry his weight. It would be of no help to the strong one, and the weak one would be being dragged around. So whenever you would yoke animals together to carry a load, they would need to be equally yoked. They would need to be of the closest weight and height and strength as possible. So if a person were to be unequally yoked, say that I am yoked with someone that is not a believer, he would be pulling me in the world's direction and I would be pulling him in God's direction and we would constantly be doing this. That's what happens when something or someone is unequally yoked. And so this verse says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't join yourself with unbelievers. That's what I was talking about a while ago. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? So this is, again, business partners as well as spouses. What partnership can lawlessness, someone that doesn't obey God's laws, have with a person who is now considered righteous because of the blood of Christ? What fellowship does light have with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? That's another God. So how can they have any kind of harmony? God with another God. So we can't join ourselves with someone that believes in another God, just like the Midianites and the Moabites. Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Our portion is God. Our portion is the inheritance of heaven. We share no future, no eternal future with an unbeliever. And so we're joining our lives with someone that isn't going to share our eternal future. Are they going to have the same things in mind if we're thinking about forever and they're thinking about now? 
Plus, we just have no lasting relationship with them, even though it feels like it at the time, because a hundred years, if we live to be a hundred years, that feels like a long time to us, but it's not. God says, you have no future with a person like that. Verse 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling place among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Almighty God. So we just don't want anything to pull us away from God. It's the same thing we've been talking about this whole time. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So he's saying, there's only one God and you better be joined to him. And then if you are, then you are all one. You're one with God and you're one with one another. That is how you're unified. So he wants us to be unified so that there will be peace, so there will be no division, so that we will all be united together in all the things that we do, in all the things that we believe, in all of the things that we look forward to. Everything that is going on in our lives will be unified if we are all being guided by the same God and Father who is of all, over all, through all, and in all. So. God is all-encompassing, and we want him to be the one that's in charge of our lives. Two more verses. Philippians 2.2 says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Unified. All going in the same direction. Thinking the same things having the same goals, working towards the same things. Last passage, Deuteronomy 30, 15 to 20. This is Moses speaking to the people and he says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I give you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commands and his statutes and his rules. Then you will live and you will multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to take possession of. But if your heart turns away and you won't listen and you're drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, just like these people did this day, then I declare to you today that you will surely perish just like these guys in this lesson that we talked about today. You will not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, 
blessing, and curse. Therefore, choose life, you and your offspring, and you may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord has sworn to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them. So, same thing with us today. I am presenting to you life and death, a blessing and a curse. Do we want to obey the Lord, go in his direction that leads to life, that leads to eternity? Remember, I was talking, if we join ourselves to an unbeliever, we're not heading to the same end point. So, do we want that or do we want death? Do we want curse? Do we want to head in that direction, that direction that goes away from God and pulls us further away from him and leads us to the wrong place, either in this life or in eternity? So it's very important who we yoke ourselves to. And it's very important who directs us. So. This week, think about who have you joined yourself to? Are they people that are going in the same direction of God as you? Are they being directed by God? And are you being directed by God? If you aren't being directed by God, that's your responsibility. Uh, Surrender to him today and let him be in charge of your life. And then if you are being directed by God, Are you yoking yourself to other believers, other people that are being guided by God also? If not, maybe you need to unyoke yourself. Now, if you're married, that's not the same situation and that's for another lesson. But if you are in a a serious relationship with someone, a business relationship with someone, whatever the case may be, Maybe you need to not be so close to that person if they're someone that's pulling you away from God. And then just make sure that you are listening to the right person, that you're heading in the right direction because God is your instructor. And you're not being like the horse or the mule that requires the bit and bridle to be pulled near to him. And don't be that person if you are a believer. Try not to be that person that pulls the other believer a little bit away, right? So we don't want God to have to pull us back and we don't want the other believer to have to pull us back. We want to stay steady on the course in one accord with each other, in one accord with the Lord, going in the direction that he has for us, accomplishing the goals that he has for us, carrying the load that he has for us along with the person that we are yoked to. Allow that person to help you carry whatever the load is that you have in your life and then help them carry the load that they have. Help carry the loads of this life, the life that God has for you and for them. And then be zealous for him. Be passionate for him. Care as much about him as Phineas did. We want to be jealous for him. So. That's all we have this week. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit further about this story. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that episode. 
Also, if you haven't already, go over to my website, livethroughjesus.com, get your free Bible study, and also look at the blog post. There should be a blog post that coincides with this study. It's going to be over jealousy. Also, join me on your social media platforms for different posts that I'll have throughout the week that also will pertain to this lesson. Thanks and have a good day.